Tappers, what's up? It is the Thursday edition of the Daily Tap. We have a good show today. We're going to talk about would you like the Bucks to be refed like the Los Angeles Lakers? Kind of talk a little bit about the playing game and the refereeing that went on. And would you enjoy having the Bucks sort of have that treatment? Um, you probably might, you might not. And we'll kind of talk about that or what it's like to cheer for it even. Uh, we'll also talk about when is it time to have a discussion about Andy Haynes' future with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, lastly, we will chat through the Aaron Rodgers. There was a topic uh, I saw on local radio about Aaron Rodgers and if the NFL hopes Aaron Rodgers doesn't get traded because it would turn this league more like the NBA and give more player empowerment and more player requests granted. And I don't actually think the Aaron Rodgers situation is NBA-like, honestly. I think it's more... It's a different story, and we'll kind of walk through it and explain the differences between what he is requesting versus what Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson requested earlier in the year, and sort of talk through those differences as well to wrap up today's show, wrap up the week of Daily Taps, uh, tapping the keg tomorrow with Mitch and I, tail of the tape, Miami versus Milwaukee. Um, We'll also talk, I'm sure, about other stuff, Brewers, Packers, whatever else is in our tickler file but we're starting today with the milwaukee bucks but not necessarily talking about the heat series talking more about if the bucks were rough like the lakers how would we feel as fans and so watching last night's game uh between the bucks or i'm sorry the warriors and the lakers the refereeing was very suspicious down the stretch um it felt very much like an early 2000s game um where the team, the Lakers, the premier team was getting all the calls. Um, I, I made a joke on Twitter that the 2002 Kings are laughing right now because that's kind of how it felt. It felt like the Lakers were getting every conceivable call and not necessarily getting anything on their end. Um, you know, we had the moment where the bench basically intimidated Jordan Poole in the corner like that should have been a technical foul like that should have been a technical foul on that bench and the Warriors should have shot one free throw and then got the ball back that is exactly what should have happened on the last play of the game which I didn't even comment on um Steph Curry got hooked by by Anthony Davis like he hooked the shit out of Anthony or Anthony Davis hooked the shit out of Steph Curry excuse me and so that should have been a foul call um, we had Draymond Green's moving screen that was not even a moving screen, not even close to a moving screen. Um, we had the, thank God they didn't call a flagrant on Draymond for that hard foul on LeBron, which LeBron t- treated like he got shot in the face. Like, And then, of course, he played it up and was like, oh, I was seeing three rims and, oh, I, you know, my vision was off. Like, fuck off, dude. Like... LeBron is such a drama king. Like he has to make it all about himself and he has to sort of do this thing where he lets the theatrics play into his style. And it's like, that's why everybody hates you, man. Like it's not necessarily like that you're coming for Michael Jordan's crown. Like I don't think LeBron realizes that. And I think a lot of the LeBron stands, the LeBron media mafia, I think that's what they don't get. And where they're like, you don't appreciate LeBron's greatness. It's like, yeah, we do. The dude's awesome. Like the shot he hit to give the Lakers the lead was unbelievable. That was crazy. Okay. But 
the fact of the matter is, is LeBron always plays up to dramatics. And because he does that, it's so fucking annoying. He doesn't just play basketball. Like, he doesn't just get right up. Like, I'm sure it hurt to get hit in the face. But get right up. Get in Draymond's grill instead of being rolling around. And that, I think, is what a lot of people have problems with. And a lot of people who are more on that Jordan side of things are like, look, if Jordan would have had a hard foul like that, Jordan's getting right up. He's maybe saying something. One of his teammates is definitely saying something. And that's kind of where it goes. But instead, LeBron is rolling on the floor like he's a soccer player. I call him La Liga flop. Like, I didn't go Premier League because I feel like La Liga and Serie A, more flops. If you, if anyone out there, soccer fans, can tell me which uh, league we should be referring to when we're talking flops. But I think it's La Liga. But anyways, it, like, it, that's why people fucking hate you, dude. Like, if you want the example of why people hate you, it's that. It's not, it's not because you're chasing Jordan. It's not because of some things you say politically or socially. It's because of this type of shit. That's the shit that bothers people. Not any of this other crap. And so that to me is, you know, that's basically the why there's LeBron hate. But to go back to like how this game was refed and if I would like the Bucks to be refed like this, I mean, it would be great, right? You think that you'd get every call. You'd, you'd basically assume that every call would go your way. I think it would make you kind of a worse fan because you would just expect that you're getting every call and that you're going to get every sort of foul, every nick, every, every little bit of contact. Like That's going to go your way. And so I think you become a worse fan because you're always assuming the refs are going to bail you out. You're not necessarily, you know, assuming the, basically it's basketball, right? That there's going to be some physical contact. Some fouls are going to go your way. Some fouls aren't. Um, some games are very tightly officiated. Some some are very loose. Um, you know, you're going to have all of that shit. So it's not necessarily going to be a, oh yeah, we're going to get every call because we are the Bucks, you know, or in the Lakers case, the Lakers. So I think that part would be a little annoying. I think if Giannis had a more friendly whistle of LeBron's, I think that would be great. And I mean, we've advocated it here, I don't know how many times, but it would be great to have Giannis to have LeBron's whistle. It, hell, it would be even good to have Le, uh, Giannis have Curry's whistle. Like Giannis does not get a good whistle. And it's the one of the more infuriating things as a Bucks fan. It, it, bar none, the amount of calls Giannis gets compared to other guys in the league is unbelievable because he gets he doesn't get them it doesn't happen it's like we've talked about it here but like the refs do not know how to how to guard or how to ref Giannis they they just don't like it's it's not a thing they're good at they're not good at refing Giannis they've gotten better and I think as the years go on they're going to keep figuring it out and they're having the same problem with Zion Williamson um and so there is that and I think I would welcome that idea of Giannis getting more calls because he definitely deserves more calls and we saw in that Phoenix game where it seemed like he got a lot of calls he shot 20 free throws there's no reason why Giannis shouldn't shoot 15 free throws a game like that really should be what it is anywhere from 15 to 25 I'm dead serious if Giannis is getting the calls he should he should be shooting 15 to 25 free throws a game now, he doesn't get that amount of free throws regularly, so it's not a surprise. But LeBron 
gets that luxury. James Harden, another guy, gets that luxury. So would I open it up and have it for Giannis? Absolutely. I would love Giannis to get some of those those calls that LeBron does. And for those who are like, well, what is it like to cheer for a team like that? Well, a lot of the Packers rivals, not to switch sports, but a lot of Packer rivals say the Packers get calls like the Lakers. That because the Packers are an established team, they get a lot of calls. That is sort of the narrative that the Bears fans, the Lions fans, especially the Lions fans, who can forget 2018, right? Um, the Vikings fans, all of them bitch that the Packers get all the calls. That the Packers are the team that gets that fortuitous uh, pass interference call or they get a holding call when they need it and the Packers are able to advance the ball or that a drive stalls because of it on the other side and that they you know they miss a roughing the passer against the Packers or a pass interference and so that's sort of what the Packers get and look there have been games where I, I think the flags are a little one-sided to Green Bay, but sometimes I I wonder if that's just roughing. And, and look, I've had games where Packers get no calls, and the Packers are just absolutely getting screwed by the referees. So I, I never really feel like that that is a thing. Um, and Packers don't really bitch too much about officials. Like, if you want a game where the Packers got zero calls, like, look at the... Packer Viking game from last year. Alex Kemp, who is an awful fucking official, and I really hope he doesn't come back next year. Um, if he does, he's the Jeff Triplett, the new Jeff Triplett of the NFL, where you fear when you have an Alex Kemp game on your roster. Packers actually had a couple last year, but that game was not in the Packers' favor from a ref standpoint. So I, I'd encourage you, if you do think the Packers get all the calls, watch that game and come back to me because they do not. Um, and I will think I kind of think the Lakers are in a class of their own. Um, I do think sometimes in baseball, strike zones can be different for a team like the Yankees or Red Sox, or even even the Cubs or Cardinals at times. But it's very rare. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think I think basketball is kind of a one of one in this, where you have the preferential treatment for some teams like the Lakers. And I think the Nets will get that. I I think the Sixers might get a little bit of it, um, but. You also have it for the players. And I think the players matter so much more. And that's why Embiid gets to the line a lot, right? I think he is a more friendly whistle than Giannis. I think Giannis, honestly, has the least friendly superstar whistle that we have. Maybe Jokic. Jokic, actually, I think Jokic is worse. Jokic has a, doesn't have a great whistle. I think the refs don't really like Jokic because he bitches all the time. Same with Luka, who I can't stand about, about that. And I hope they get swept because I, I really... I like watching Luca play, but until he stops complaining as much as he does, I, I really can't root for Luca. But that's just a side note. So let's uh, let's move on to the Brewers, um, and maybe just maybe as we're in, I think what this is now the sixth straight playoff appearance for the Bucks. Maybe now is the year where the Bucks actually get all the calls. Moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers, another tough loss for the Brewers. They did score four runs. That was good. Uh, the bad was that they left. 11 guys in scoring position. So yet again, a same problem for the Brewers. They are now a game under 500. They have a winning percentage of 488. They are four games back of the NL Central lead. They are 5-12 and 12 in the month of May. And they have a negative 20 run differential. So that is not great in 
all facets of the game. That is bad, bad stuff for the Brewers. And I think fingers have to start being pointed at changes needed. You can't necessarily go through a month like this where you have a few games left, and I've talked about the window, and I don't need to belabor that again, where you can make an immediate change. You have a day off today, and I have to wonder about Andy Haynes' job. I think Andy Haynes is well-liked. Um, you know, Avisel Garcia and Omar Narayas worked with him in the offseason. He used to uh, coach Christian Yelich. Um, I think he's liked in the clubhouse, but the approach sucks and nothing's really working here. And I, I think the Brewers, you know, need to rethink their philosophy and kind of reset and they need to kind of make a statement. And I, I just don't understand how you can keep going through this. I appreciate the Brewers' patience, but this has been an awful month. And this, it's not getting better. And that's, I think, the problem, right? It's just, it's the same. It's like, all right, you're 21 and 22. You keep this up, you're going to get knocked out of this division. You're going to get knocked out of this division, and you're going to get knocked out of the playoffs. I understand that the Washington Nationals were absolute dog shit uh, two years ago. They slide into the playoffs. They beat the Brewers. They, they win the World Series, okay? I get that. But when you're dog shit early, guess what that means? You have to be pristine for two or three months. You have to be really fucking good. And and that, I don't want the Brewers to do that. I don't want them to dig themselves such a hole that they have to get out of it. And, you know, this game was more more about something else. Like, Brewers had a 3-2 lead heading into the seventh inning. Corbin Burns went you know, got off the mound. He had 92 pitches. He had one mistake to Michael Taylor. That was it. He walked one, struck out nine. It was a pretty good start for Corbin Burns. And then JP Fireeyes and comes in the game and gives up an absolute meatball to Jorge Soler. And then it just all falls apart. They give up a, a suicide squeeze that scores the winning or the top, go ahead run, which ended up being the winning run in the seventh inning. Then Boxberger was terrible. Uh, a run was scored on a wild pitch, um, and the Brewers gave up an extra two runs in the eighth inning to kind of give insurance runs for the Kansas City Royals. Now the Brewers would get a run back in the ninth. And Christian Yelich had an opportunity, but he ended up walking, and then no one could drive him in. Omar Narvaez was looking to give this game a 7-6 lead. I can't really criticize Narvaez too much because he did have two one of the RBIs today, and he, you know, he had a productive day at the plate. And in any other ballpark, like if he hit the ball, that double that he had in the fifth inning, if he hits that in Great American Ballpark on Friday, that's a home run. So, and Omar Narvaez keeps hitting the ball, which is good for him. I, the Brewers just need to, to switch some things up. Like, they they just need to say, fuck the matchups and go with the lineup of their best hitters. And hopefully that leads to runners in scoring position being scored. Lorenzo Cain left three on the base pads. Let's talk about Lorenzo Cain's season. Lorenzo Cain was 0 for 5. He is currently hitting 208. His on-base percentage is 313, and his slugging is 361. Lorenzo Cain might be washed up. I love Lorenzo Cain, okay? Like, I like Lorenzo Cain. Lorenzo Cain's a good player. But there is no conceivable way Lorenzo Cain should be hitting second in this order. He just shouldn't. Avisail Garcia should be your... And Avisail Garcia hitting sixth? Like, what's that about? 
Like, Avisail Garcia should be hitting towards the top. Like, Lorenzo Cain should be near the bottom with Travis Shaw and Jackie Bradley Jr. Avi Garcia should be at the top. Yelich, the middle. Now, Christian Yelich is, was DHing today. So, he'll be out in the outfield against Cincinnati. I would imagine that Cain's probably staying because, well, Jackie Bradley Jr. hit the ball. He just broke out of a slump. So, maybe Bradley Jr. and Cain are, will fight it out for the next few weeks. But, that I think will help the the order at least because you'll take Kane or Bradley out of the lineup. Maybe that helps things. But yeah, Lorenzo Kane was 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position. Vogelbach, 0 for 2. Dan Vogelbach, again, I, I don't know what's there with Dan Vogelbach. I, I know he had a hit in this game, but he, he just is not good. He's batting 207. I, I think that Keston Hira. And maybe look at a guy like Zach Green, who's raking in Nashville. Maybe give him a chance. And he plays corner outfield or infield. So he plays a little third base. I think he plays a little first base too. Give him a chance. Billy McKinney, also a first baseman. Billy didn't do shit. Uh, he's batting 207. He just had a pinch hit. But I'm just ready for like a full-on change. And I, I don't know if that is, again, Andy Haynes moving on or the Brewers just look at their lineup and say, all right, we're tossing this lineup out and we're making sure that we have the right guys in the right order. Yelich and Narvaez back-to-back is a, is a good start. They need to continue that. If you move Avi up, I think you're really going to be cooking. I think you have Avi at two and Lorenzo Cain down in the order. I think that's going to make a world of difference. And I also think getting Keston Hira back. And hopefully Keston Hira can come back. I think you have to bring Keston Hira back this weekend. I don't, I'm sure they have a plan, and it might be an entire month, but I don't know if you can wait. It being 5-12 and 12 right now, and here playing in a ballpark like Cincinnati's that's a bandbox that can you know really boost confidence, I think you just pull the ripcord. And Cincinnati is, they play today, they're on their way of getting swept, and they haven't really had a good season. So you have opportunity. I said this about the Royals series and then you get swept by the Royals and you had Corbin Burns and fucking Brandon Woodruff pitching which is inexcusable and and it's it's again the offense Burns gave up two runs he made one mistake to Michael Taylor he should be able to make a mistake to Michael Taylor and still win the fucking game Brandon Woodruff again one bad inning in the eighth that allowed a couple runs that's a, that that's permissible right like these guys can't be just perfect and pitch no hitters, even though it's so easy to do. And we had another no hitter last night, which is absolutely wild. So the fact of the matter is, is the Brewers offense needs to get it in gear and changes are needed. You cannot continue to do the same fucking thing each night when this is going on. It just can't happen. So I hope that some change happens here as they have a day off, have a day to reset they have a big series in Cincinnati, and maybe they can turn around this month. God willing. All right, let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. So as we kind of navigate this slow period in the NFL, I saw an interesting topic from uh, 1250 to Fan, who does a great job with social, by the way. They, they really do. Shout out to them. They do a good job getting their social out there. Dan Pletcher who uh, is, I think, the EP for the big show. He does such a good job of, like, quoting things. And, you know, I, I've Dan's really helped me from a content perspective. I don't follow him on Twitter. Sorry, Dan. 
Um, but I see his stuff because he gets retweeted all the time. And it's really easy for me to just, you know, hit that like button and then that's content for me. The Ron Wolf thing uh, with Mike Wolf Jr. Uh, was the latest example of that. So they had a topic yesterday about does the NFL not want Aaron Rodgers to get traded? Basically, the thought there is if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, it, it makes it like the NBA. And I've said for a while that the NFL media has made things like the NBA. That there is an NBAification, I think is the word I used, the NBAification of the NFL media. That the NFL media is so obsessed with the hot takes and the rumors and basically making the drama of the offseason similar to the drama on the field. And they saw how well that's done for the NBA and they're going to that well too. They're replenishing themselves and making sure they get the clicks, they get the engagement, all that bullshit. So the question is, is, you know, if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, well then what's next? Does a Kyler Murray ask to be be traded before he's done in Arizona? Does Joe Burrow want out in a couple of years? Does a guy even of like Trevor Lawrence's stature in four or five, three or four years down the road, does he want out because he got a deal? I don't know. I've, I have no idea. Um, but I, I think that what's missed here is that Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, and Russell Wilson are all the same. They're not. They're very different. We're excluding all the dumb shit that's going on with Deshaun, by the way. Um, that that stuff, Let's we just don't need to... To, to like put that caveat in, we're just talking why they wanted out. Deshaun Watson wanted out because he wasn't consulted on the head coach. He, him and the organization didn't treat him fairly. I would say Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers are a little similar, um, but Deshaun Watson signed that massive deal, and it, it is on him for not realizing that this was a sinking ship. He got bad advice from his agent, point blank. I don't think any agent should have let Deshaun Watson sign that deal with the way the Texans were going. And Deshaun Watson should have had a free agency similar to Kirk Cousins, maybe even more, and should have had multiple pursuers. Instead, he signed a massive deal last season to stay with this team. That should not have happened. He took the money, which I, I look, I don't blame him. It's NFL is a fucking fickle sport. It's a non-guaranteed sport. Get your money when you can. But also, you you made this bet. Now, the same could be said about Aaron Rodgers, but let's let's be clear here. The Packers are not a sinking ship. The Packers are not a sinking ship. They are a Super Bowl contender. They are a team that will be predicted to win the Super Bowl if Rodgers comes back. Rodgers was given all of his guys back. Big Dog returned. I didn't think Mercedes Lewis was going to come back. But I think the reason the Packers signed Mercedes Lewis for now kind of reversing course and knowing what we know now, that was purely to help bring Aaron Rodgers back. That wasn't done for that the Packers needed him because they're pretty rich in tight ends right now. They brought Lewis back to get Aaron Rodgers on this roster. That was the whole reason, which is crazy to think about, but it's true. And so... Watson and Rodgers are, there are some similarities in the lack of consulting and wanting them to be treated more as a special player than an individual, which I agree on. But it's a little different when it's like one, Watson signed a deal with this ship basically sinking and Rodgers, you know, signed this deal and then got kind of blindsided by a Jordan Love uh, draft pick. 
if anyone was similar to the NBA, it was Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson had the most NBA-like trade request. Now, Russell Wilson blamed his offensive line, which will be very interesting to see how his line blocks for him. I'm sure they'll clean it up in the summer. Trent Dilfer mentioned with uh, Aaron Rodgers how there would be a lot of people in the 53-man roster who are rubbed the wrong way by Rodgers winning out, and all it'll take is an OTA session and say you're sorry. Russell Wilson being a grifter that he is and being that fake-ass motivational speaker, you know it'll be fine. Hell, he might put that on fucking Instagram and be like, I fucked up. He won't say that because he's, you know, polished. But he'll basically say, guys, you know, I am a hawk for life. I love this team. I was a little frustrated. I'm so ready to win us the Super Bowl, yada, 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 rah, rah, rah. But Russell Wilson's request was very NBA-like in the sense that he wanted to play in major markets, mostly for his wife, but also to kind of expand his brand. You know, he wanted to play in Dallas, which might not expand his wife's brand, but for him, being the Cowboys quarterback, it would have been massive. He wanted to play in Vegas. Now, that would obviously help both of them, um, being sort of the face of Vegas sports. I, I don't really think right now Las Vegas sports, which is emerging as a pro sports market, has a face of their, of their sort of city. I think the hockey team might have a guy or two, but it's not known nationally. Um, if I can't name, I know, the only guy I know on Las Vegas is Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, I know I'm going to get fact-checked fact by our guy, Pat Luce, but I just, I don't, I don't know. And that's that says it all, right? So that's where Vegas, I mean, Wilson goes to Vegas. He's the face of Vegas. Um, goes to Miami. Okay, again, he has a face of Miami sports right now. Who would be the face of Miami sports? It's probably Tua. Um, but again, Tua is very young, and that's where it is, right? Or, well, no, Jimmy Butler. Take that back. Jimmy Butler's face of Miami sports. I would say that would be the the face of Miami sports. And then he also wanted to go to Chicago. Chicago, right now, you look at it, and you probably say, uh, Jose Abreu, maybe. Um, they, they're so weird because they have two baseball teams then there's the basketball team, then the Blackhawks, and then obviously the Bears. Bears, maybe Khalil Mack. I don't know. This is a fun topic to go through each city and be like, who's the face of of each of each city? I, I kind of like that. I I don't. That doesn't really help me. But if you do a full podcast where it's national, that's a that's a good little topic because. But basically, to to kind of not go into this rabbit hole about who's the face at each each city. Russell Wilson wanted to go to a bigger market because he wanted to expand his brand. Now, that's ridiculous because he has so many sponsors and it doesn't really matter. And it was probably driven by his wife who's like, look, I can't get the same deals in Seattle as I could in Chicago or Las Vegas or even Dallas or Miami. Like if we're in one of those cities, we're going to make three times more or four times more. And because we're here in Seattle, I can't do the same things. I think if Russell wanted to push back, now we all know pushing back with our significant others doesn't always work. He could say, well, Giselle Bündchen made $300 million living in New England. So I, I don't <laughs> I don't really understand this, but okay. And so that to me was more of the NBA than Rodgers or Watson. And if Rodgers got traded, I don't necessarily think it's an NBA shift. I think that's more of a Green Bay has a plan in place. If Watson's traded, I think it's more of this guy's kind of seems like a problem child and seems like he needs a fresh start. And I don't know 
if he the character matches what Houston wants to do and Houston needs a ton of draft picks to rebuild. They could go 0-17 this year. I think it's on the table, especially if Watson doesn't play. Um, and if they trade Wilson, then that's the one where we're like, okay, this is a little NBA-esque. And this is now starting to give off vibes of the NBA. And that, I think, would be the one where you worry a little bit. All right, Tappers, that does it. Um, we will take tomorrow for tapping the keg. Then we'll be back with a daily tap on Monday. We will talk Bucks playoffs. We'll talk about the Brewers. Um, I'm sure something else will come, come across the wire. But we'll talk about all that on Monday's show. Look forward to it then. Uh, we'll see you on Monday. Well, we'll see you tomorrow with Mitch. And then we'll see you tomorrow back with just your boy. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye.